You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I would like to call in the ancestors to join us here today. And today, I'm going to begin calling in Grandfather Fire and Grandmother Water, Grandfather Air, Grandmother Earth, to call in these ancient elemental energies and ask these energies that conspire to make what we call weather. Play well with technology as we come to you today from all across North America. And we ask you to allow what needs to be said to be heard to all those who are asking to listen here today. So I ask these great elemental ancestors to be with us as we call in the ancestors of the people who are gathered here today and those who will listen at any time that they draw this gathering off the internet and listen. So I call out to all those who bring the legacy to us, that which is good and true and beautiful in our lines, those people who lived well, who brought their uniqueness out through their actions in their life and gave that gift to humanity. We call out to those ancestors. We call out to those ancestors who died well and crossed over and come back to us as ancestral helping spirits. We call out to these people together around us here today with the elemental energies and the energies of nature and hold us well as we continue in our proceedings here today. I call out to the energy of the earth, the being, the planet, the home that we all share. May we remember today that it is a very, very small place and we all need to play well with each other. We call out to the earth that we might draw from her the wisdom of manifestation, how to be here in form in a good way and in a way that is good for all living things, not just the people, but the plants and the animals and the elements and the land itself, the water itself, the air. May we take care of this beautiful, miraculous dream of life we have been given. So we call out to the earth and give thanks to her today for grounding, for place, for belonging, for connection and interconnection, and all of the energy that she brings to us that we might draw her energy into ourselves today and reach out to others. And with our feet firmly planted and our ancestors gathered round, let us reach up into the energy of the sky and call down that energy by whatever name you call the highest power of the universe, call it down into yourself and into our circle here today, that we might be inspired with generosity and blessing, that we might feel the protection that allows us to let new ideas in and to speak things that have never been spoken before. We call out to this energy to help us to remember the great beauty of life and to remember that we share it with all things. So we call the energy of the sky down into our bodies to meet the energy of the earth and let them come into balance to bring each one of us exactly the energy that we need today to bring ourselves into balance. And from this place of balance, let's reach into our heart and call that energy out to show up, 
today. We call out to that magnificent energy of the heart, often misunderstood and maligned, but nonetheless, that crucible that is capable of containing the fiery passions of the belly and the great clarifying wisdom of the mind to merge in the heart that we might know through our gifts why we are here. What is the unique genius that we bring to this planet and let the heart give us the courage to live it. It is not enough to know it, but to live it, to make it manifest in our lives, to share with others. So with these energies gathered around us here today, I ask that that which needs to be said is said and that which needs to be heard can be heard. And we give thanks to all of those who make this show possible. We give thanks to TJ in South Africa and David in the UK and all the other listeners who have recently donated to the show. If this show moves you in any way, please allow yourself to be moved into action by that motion in your heart. That this is the essence of shamanism worldwide. That we allow ourselves to be motivated by the heart, to be moved by what moves our heart. And to take action in that way. And those of you who choose to donate to keep the show on the air, it's easy. Just go to whyshamanismnow.com, click the support button, and you are welcome and free to offer any amount, large or small. Every single dollar is deeply appreciated, and they all go directly to keeping the show on the air. And we give thanks to the Society of Shamanic Practitioners. Today is a um, SSP-sponsored interview, and we give thanks for their Um, money as well and all of those who help us to keep the answers to the question the many many answers to the question why shamanism now to keep those answers flowing into people's lives all over the world so we thank you all and in particular today we thank our guest sarah finley thank you sarah for being with us thank you for having me and peter clark thank you for being with us peter Thank you, Christina. It's a pleasure. And um, for those of you who do not know these two amazing human beings, they are both in Vermont. And so for those of you that have been listening to our guests and wondering when we were going to get back to North America, here they are. <laughs> and today, we, the title of our show is The Gateway of the Dra- Gateways of the Dragon, which is the name of one of the many unique offerings that um, Sarah and Peter have through their partnership, Shaman's Flame. And for those of you that want to go to their website now while we're talking, um, that is very simple, www.shamansflame.com. And there you can see... um, go to the different classes and see the many offerings, which are are far too fruitful to mention at the moment. Although, Sarah and Peter, you're welcome to chime in if anything is really important that you want people to know about. Um, But what I will say first off is that Sarah is a shamanic therapist, educator, artist, and writer. She has had an ongoing relationship with the spirit since her early teens and has been practicing shamanic healing since 2005. Peter is a lifelong scientist, educator, practitioner of yoga and meditation, and he has been practicing shamanic healing since 2005 as well, where he integrates concepts found in quantum physics with the spiritual path. And both Peter and Sarah are graduates of many different studies in shamanism, but in particular, the Foundation for Shamanic Studies three-year program. 
So again, they're um, you can contact either one of them through their website, shamansflame.com. And for those of you that are interested in connecting with the Society of Shamanic Practitioners, their website is shamansociety.org, for those of you who haven't found it yet. We are live today with this interview. You are welcome to call in with your questions at 512-772-1938, or you can Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site that you are probably listening from, or you're welcome to email me at christina at lastmesscenter.org. Although today I would suggest you call in because my email is a little flaky and I may not notice it before the show's over. Um, so uh, 512-772-1938 or Skype in. So let us begin here. This is my favorite question and I know I always ask it, but I think that it's important for people listening to understand what matters in life, in a sense, because often the, the, the things we deliberate over end up, in retrospect, not being remotely as important as we thought we, they were. And there are other moments in life that seemed so potentially insignificant at the time, when, and we look back and realize these are the moments that changed everything. And so what I'm interested from you, Sarah, and from Peter, is the moment... I mean, I know there are many, but the moment that changed everything and put you on the path to being the woman for Sarah and the man that you are today with these shamanic offerings that you have for people. So maybe Hmm. we'll start with ladies first. (laughs) All right, ladies first. Well, uh, thank you for that beautiful opening that you did, Christina. That was really lovely and grounding, and uh, I appreciate that. Well, there is a specific moment when my life changed, and it has—it's kind of a funny story. I—I was writing a lot of short stories at one point in my life, and I had a character in my story who was stuck. She was stuck, and I was stuck, and I didn't know how to bring her forward to her resolution to finding what she needed. And one day, I was sipping wine with a friend of mine, and I said, "I know she'll go visit a shaman." And my friend said, well, what, what happens when you go visit a shaman? And I said, I'm not really sure. So I called up. I went online and Googled shamans in Vermont and found uh, the one that appealed to me most, which was an incredible woman and teacher, Susan Grimaldi, who has been practicing for many, many, many years in Vermont. And I called her up and said I wanted to come and uh, interview her. So in the meantime, I decided that, no, I would, I would go to her as a client and have an experience that I would be, then be able to use in my short story. And I went to her, and um, she, we talked for a while, and then she did a soul retrieval, a sort of classic shamanic soul retrieval on me. And when I went home, I was not the same person that had gone in to see her. And I realized that I couldn't even believe how much of me had been missing my whole life. And um, I called her up the next day and I said, what did you do to me? And I went back and she explained what she had done. And in the next years, my whole life changed. I started studying shamanism and it became my passion, my, my everything, my my uh, development into being uh, a full human being. It was, it was really 
earth-shattering what happened in that one moment. Well, one hour, actually. That was how long it took her. But it was pretty amazing. So I'm sitting here wondering if you've figured out yet which helping spirit planted that thought in your mind with your friend that your character should go see the showman. Yeah, yeah that's a good question. You know, I, I really know. I, I think it was myself, the, the, mm-hmm. the part of myself that was that was far, far away being being um, and for such a long time. I think that part of myself just said, OK, enough's enough. You know, yeah. let's, let's get yeah. whole again and get on with life in a in a more meaningful way. Beautiful. And, yeah. So what about you, Peter? Well, there's so many points of change in one's life. It's, it's hard to identify one. Um, so I'll mention two, and the first is very quick, and I was, uh, I had the chance as a child to live in Japan, and just the exposure to Japanese culture, uh, was a really opening experience that did change me forever, I'm sure. And, uh, fast-forwarding through many years, in fact, decades, back, uh, 10 years ago, I was, uh, that's when I really began my shamanic path in a conscious kind of way. I was at a meeting, speaking with a woman, local currency meeting in Montpelier, Vermont, and her name was Susan Lawrence, and we started talking about all kinds of kind of -of out-of-the-box things. And one thing that I mentioned was, Dr. Emoto's messages from the water and uh, some email I had just gotten about it and how water crystals are affected by our thoughts and emotions. And she was really excited to hear me talk about this because she had just been talking about the same subject at a local shamanic drum circle that at that moment I didn't know anything about. And she said, Peter, you really need to come to this drum circle, and you said you just got a drum and you want to do some drumming, well, come and do it here and learn how to journey. And when I went to that drum circle, I felt completely at home. I just, it was my place. I journeyed with ease that very first time, and I even remember parts of that first journey. Um, I found that this is exactly what I wanted to do almost all the time, and and I did it. Beautiful. So I have another question for the two of you, though, is what brought you together as partners in your work? (laughs) Well, we we met at a workshop, a two-week program um, with the Foundation for Shamanic Studies. So we both lived within, I don't know, 20 miles of each other, but we didn't know each other in Vermont. And we met in Virginia at a, at a workshop. And we developed a kind of gradual friendship. And um, we're both teachers. We were both teachers in different aspects of our lives. And, and um, Peter is very scientific. And we started driving back and forth to drum circles together. And I started picking his brain on the Science, more scientific aspects of shamanism, and he he was really a teacher for me in many ways because he has a a very broad scientific mind, and he was fascinating. And just over time, we we um, 
we kept on the same, our paths really joined in how we were evolving and what we were looking for and how we were moving forward. And eventually, you know, just over time, we, we started teaching together and, and uh, it's evolved in this very rich uh, way. We're, we're very, I think we have become much more together than we could have become just on our own on our shamanic paths, you know, we really spur each other on to, to be better, better teachers, better healers. And, and it's, it's been a very, um, uh, helpful aspect of who we've become. Yeah. We, At least we really opinion. I hope Peter agrees with that. Yeah. I was just going to say, we really complement each other well. And, um, and I also want to speak to the fact that Sarah has a wonderfully scientific mind, even though she likes to say that I'm more of the scientist. And so we can, and, and at the same time, I have an artistic mind. So we merge very well our conversations and, uh, and the way that we interact as teachers. So speaking of the two of them as teachers, um, Part of the timing of today's show was I wanted people to wanted to introduce you to people because while you do have your trainings here in the U.S., um, Peter and Sarah are going to be presenting Gateways of the Dragon at the second British Columbia Residential Shamanic Conference, which is called Birthing and Blossoming this year, which will be held in May, the 4th through the 8th. And this conference, I've done this conference now, I think, three times. Well, anyway, it doesn't matter. The point is, this conference is so much fun from a shamanic perspective for the kind of fun shamans have. It is also so rich and so deep. Um, I think it's funny they keep calling it a conference because it doesn't feel like a conference. Um, and I think there are, um, there's a handful of spaces left. For this conference, and so for those of you that are interested, you could join Sarah and Peter not only in this teaching but get the whole conference as well, which would just be really exciting. And I think it's important for those of us here in America to cross that border and get up there and connect with our brothers and sisters in Canada as well. And if you want to check that out, um, you can register by going to circleofgreatmystery.com circleofgreatmystery.com and click on conferences. You have to scroll down. Don't get distracted by all the other cool information, but scroll down to conferences, click on it, and you can still register. There's a few spaces left for the second um, British Columbia conference up there um, and join us there. So without further ado, we're going to talk a little bit about Gateways of the Dragon. So why don't the two of you share... You know, what was it in your work that birthed this particular experience? Well, this this really is a co-creation, and I think we're we're very fond of this workshop because it's absolutely our own ideas that we've we've put forth and we've joined together. Um, Peter has worked with Dragon. Uh, medicine for many, many years. And um, so the idea of working with the dragon archetype pretty much came from him. Um, and But a lot of the things that we explore in the workshop, a lot of the journeys 
and other aspects of the workshop come directly from my counseling work that I do with with people. Um, A lot of the journeys are about breaking through things that hinder you from becoming the full human being that you were meant to become on this planet. Blocks that we um, sometimes that keep us from, from moving forward. And so the archetype of the dragon has always been strongly connected to that. And so we've, we've combined that with um, a lot of the, as I said, a lot of the journey experiences that I, I use with my clients. And, and on an um, kind of overall perspective of things, there's two main themes that we work with in this workshop, the first being healing parts of ourselves that we haven't embraced, uh, looking for ways to transmute obstacles. So, so there's a healing component to the work that really is informed greatly by Sarah's counseling. And the second part is working on expanding our consciousness in perhaps an unusual way, with Dragon's help, in an effort to go very deep in the journey process to the, to the place where journeys and dreams uh, are quite similar. And in this work, we encourage people to get into the theta state very deeply. And well, typical shamanic journeying is usually in alpha state of consciousness, which is the highly creative, very vivid state of consciousness that we enter when we are in a creative process, when we are creating something or when we are daydreaming or when we are kind of thinking blue sky in our viewpoint of the world, the the theta state of consciousness is an even deeper state, closer to the dream state. We present different uh, tools that help people get into that state to work on uh, leaving linear consciousness behind. We we found that... um... When journeying, there's a point where you often begin to dip down into uh, what... Sometimes it feels like you're falling asleep. I mean, sometimes you you may fall asleep, and that's a whole other story. But this is when you're still journeying, but you're starting to dip into something else. And for a long time, we wondered about that. And it is very nonlinear. Sometimes it's just images that flash before your eyes, and, and then you might come back up into the alpha state. But this theta state of consciousness is very intriguing because there are a lot of studies being done about that being the place where we are able to heal ourselves, where we are able to heal our bodies and our, our minds and spirits. And um, we, we really feel that there's a lot of power in that state of consciousness. And in fact, um, I feel that that's where all our intuition comes from. That's where our, um, our telepathic skills lay, where our psychic 
communication uh, can be found. So I think the more we can communicate with that level of consciousness, the more we will be able to evolve as, as human beings. And I think we used to all be telepathic in, in times gone by. And uh, when you live in an animistic uh, society, when you speak to the trees and animals, that's, that's telepathy. There's, there's no question about that. And I think we all had that, and we shut it down. And now we just get little fragments of it that, that come up. So our goal is to really explore that as deeply as possible and to help other people turn that on. And people who are journeying for many years eventually find that on their own. I mean, it's not like some secret that we discovered, but we're, we're hoping to kind of pop that seed open a little bit more and you know, we're still learning as well. It's not, it's not an exact science at this point. So we're always finding out more about it and how does it work and how do you, how do you make that um, accessible at all times? Well, I appreciate what you're saying about people would discover it on their own because of, you're right, we're not, we're not inventing any of this. It's all there to be rediscovered. But exactly. at the same time, you know, one of the things I experience is that because journeying is often in that alpha state, there is a tendency for the energy between people's thoughts and their waking life and their journeys and those answers that they get to their questions and their journeys or their experiences to kind of circle around in that sort of mental spiritual realm of their life and not ever really quite get grounded that that I notice now, you know, 20 years later, that there's a lot of people who have a committed, um, passionate, shamanic practice, but they're still not in their heart and not in their body. And, and there's a, um, a way in which we can allow the journeying to keep us in our heads, basically. Right. Um, and, and the beauty of this is you're talking about taking seriously those things that do happen in journeying that that this type of person I'm describing would tend to edit out. Oh, I just fell asleep. Oh, you know, yeah, right, not, exactly. you know, not just filter that part out. It's kind of like those bad scientists. They're like, we don't like these facts, so we're not going to include them. You know? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> That's bad exactly. science, people. Um, yep. You know, and to, and to not, I mean, yes, someone who is really fully responsive to their journey experiences would discover this over time. But as Westerners, especially, you know, Americans, people can journey. I mean, I actually had someone in my, one of my first workshops say to me, you know, I've been journeying for 10 years. I had no idea you're supposed to do anything with the answers. (laughs) (laughs) I just about had a heart attack on the spot, you know, but that's what I see as part of the beauty in this of really giving people, not waiting for people to find it, but sort of provoking that discovery for people. Um, well, so I, they, you know, I have to admit, sorry, what, what were we saying? I, was, <laughs> I was just going to say that um, I found often years and years ago, if, if I was particularly tired at a drum circle, that... I would go into an altered state, and I would think, oh, I'm falling asleep. However, I was drumming my drum. And some people in the circle might say, well, yeah, Peter was a little bit off here and there, but he was still drumming, so he he could not have been completely asleep. And so that was kind of the first 
uh, glimmering of, of something going on for me. But I just wanted to acknowledge uh, a friend of Sarah's and mine, uh, Sue Jameson, took some workshops with the Awakened Mind program with Anna Wise out in California, and she brought back and, and taught us a bit about these different phases of consciousness. And that's when we really started to understand how it, it fits into the journey state and how you could teach this to people. We were, we were really lucky because when she came back from California, she had this machine called a mind mirror. And she, Peter and I were her guinea pigs. And um, she hooked us up to, these, to this machine. And what it did was it, it displayed um, on her computer screen what level of consciousness we were in. So it was divided into beta, alpha, theta, you know, whatever. And um, you would have these lines that would move in and out depending on what was activated at any given time. And so we journeyed while we were hooked up to the mind mirror. And um, it really allowed us to monitor and we, she experimented with, you know, if what was happening in certain points of our journey state, like if we were going into a deeper state, you could see the theta was starting to activate more. And so it was, you know, it was like having a little door into our minds. And that really helped us. We, we owe a lot to Sue for helping us to, to visualize what was going on while we were in the journey state. And that set us on this, on this um, you know, path of fire to understand this a bit more and what it is. And, you know, as I said, the medical profession is, is very involved with working with theta consciousness. And, and what are the capabilities of that place? Seems to be pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So back to Gateways of the Dragon then. So just let's talk about that just a little bit more. So if people were to actually either come to the workshops that you're offering or join us up in BC, um, how would they be connecting to all this kind of stuff that we've been talking about through that workshop? Well, we, we have really two phases of the workshop. The first phase is big, a big healing phase. It's, it's realizing that it's, it's difficult to kind of move forward in expanding your consciousness if you've got some unresolved issues. Mm -hmm. So we present some pretty powerful tools that, that help people quickly identify obstacles and then transmute them, find a way to change them. Uh, and, and this really does come directly from the work that Sarah does with her client, clients in her shamanic counseling. Mm-hmm. And obviously, one is not healed in, in a weekend. You know, it's like, <laughs> that's, that's, that's not really what happens. Um, and I think most people would be aware of that. But our workshop is a way of just kind of helping people to flip the switches on seeing what's going on in them. And, um, and how do you, you know, when you have an obstacle on your path, how, how, do you, how do you move past it? You know, so the, the journeys that we do, um, you know, one of the early journeys in the workshop is to take people to their seat of power. 
and it's a it's a lower world journey and they go to their sacred garden which is based in Hawaiian shamanism techniques uh, Hank Wesselman uh, works with that a lot and so we we teach them to go to their sacred garden and to connect with their seat of power and just those two journeys are very powerful because uh, a lot of what you learn about yourself by connecting with your seat of power is often quite profound. I mean, there are people who are afraid to sit in their seat. You know, they'll, they'll be doing the journey and they'll go to the seat and they'll be afraid to sit there or they'll find that it's not comfortable. And, and you know, the metaphors that you can bring back from the journey state really reveals a lot about um, your, your inner workings, your unconscious workings, your, the things that you might choose to keep behind the doors. So it helps to open the doors and, and flip on the switches, and then hopefully people can take this work and continue it on their own after they've done the, the workshop with us. Yeah, our contemporary consciousness really lacks the fundamental understanding of transformation and ritual, which is that, you know, that awareness that shifts through those amazing experiences in the journey begins the process. And, exactly. and, then, and then we need to participate and continue that, no, I'm sorry, everybody, but awareness alone is usually not enough. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, okay. it's like, so, Peter, you know, Peter, you said there were two parts? Yes. Um, and the second part feeds right off of the seat of power. And I also wanted to connect that seat of power to something you said earlier, Christina, about being grounded and also being heart-based. Because when you're sitting on your seat of power, you are sitting. You're sitting in a very grounded way, even though you are journeying out into the wild spirit world, you are sitting in your seat of power. And it helps connect you in a very strong way to yourself. And it opens your heart. The, the second phase of the workshop is to practice bilocation in non-ordinary reality. And this is done in two of your sacred gardens, the upper world and lower world. And there is Again, a very grounded sense in that. And it's all done with a, with a particular style of journeying that we teach, which helps to encourage the theta state. So the workshop covers uh, um, a lot of different ground in terms of the types of journeys that we do. And that, that there are, as I said, the two main themes of of starting the healing and of expanding your consciousness. And the thing is, one might wonder, what, what's the purpose of bilocation? Why do I need to know how to do that? And, um, but what, you know, what we are hoping to help people with is that the journey state and the wisdom of guides and the universe and all these things that lay in the realms of non-ordinary reality that they can become accessible all the time. In other words, you don't have to say, okay, I'm going to lie down and put my blindfold on and do my drumming and go off into my journey state and get my information. You can be having a conversation with somebody in the middle of a cafe and checking in with your guides 
and, and I think most people who journey for long periods of time over the years have the ability to do that. You know, you don't, you don't need the whole paraphernalia to, to check in with a guide. You can just go off and do it. But by learning to bilocate, to be in more than one place at one time in your mind, um, I believe helps with that process. So in other words, you have your, your telepathic psychic abilities turned on all the time. And, um, you know, I, I feel that this, this work might even be helpful for people who do suffer from such things as schizophrenic experiences or bipolar disorders or, you know, some of the more intense uh, disturbances that people experience. Because, you know, to talk about a schizophrenic experience from the perspective of maybe that person is in a place of nonlinear bilocation, and they just have no idea what to do with that. So we drug them up and, you know, stick them in a back ward somewhere. But maybe these kinds of uh, different uh, investigations into theta consciousness and those other places that exist in our mind might be helpful to those people. Well, and exactly. Yeah, and until we get people doing it, we're not going to be able to know. I mean, we have to move our um, shamanic experiences on from, oh my God, shamanism to actually you know, exploring right. some of these things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, so and really, of, go ahead, Peter. And, and really bilocation is just the first step in it. The goal is, is to become really multi aware in, in more than one place and maybe more than two places. And you, you can see that there's a huge population that's already working with this, and it's got a label, ADD. Mm-hmm. And we're not claiming that, that our workshop is a cure or a way around it, but we have a feeling, and you know, a lot of research has to be done, but we feel that this helps people become grounded in their multidimensional awareness. And, and one way of talking about ADD is perhaps non-grounded multidimensional awareness. Well, as I was listening to you, I was thinking about the comment that you made about sitting in the seat of power, that there ha- there, there, that, that becomes the, the frame of reference for, for all these others. And so if there is no seat of power and there is no groundedness, then which reality is which? Exactly. How do you yeah. even begin to make any sort of sense out of it? Because all of this is happening through relationship. But if there's no primary relationship, then who, who's on first? I mean, you know, it's just it's too hard to sort it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. And so you have to be really working on all the different aspects of yourself all the time, you know, like, like many shamanic people do. And, and the healing is never done. You know, it's, it's always the, the great onion and you, you keep peeling away and finding more and more things that need to be worked on as you go deeper and deeper. And, and, uh, you know, but, but there is a point when you start to feel like, okay, I'm, I'm cleaned up a little bit here. You know, you don't, you're not dealing with some of the real basic issues of, your own spiritual, psychological health. You know, you feel yourself grounded. You feel yourself in your, in your power. 
and from that place is is where it becomes easier to explore all these other dimensional situations. And you know, we talk a lot the whole new age uh, perspective on you know multidimensional. Well, what what does that mean exactly? How how can we be multidimensional? And Peter and I think that this is at least one of the keys to becoming multidimensional. And um, I think there's a lot of keys. And, you know, over the next however many years, there's going to be a lot of discovery because people are really moving forward in these kinds of realities. And it's not just those involved with shamanism, but in in all the other um, alternative ways of viewing our ordinary reality as well as non-ordinary reality. Well, one of the things that I say as people struggle in a, you know, in a basic journeying class is, you know, I would actually rather um, work with the person who feels too grounded and sort of stuck because once they get moving, they will, they tend to retain that frame of reference, that groundedness, that it's part of their nature and it maybe it's become excessive and stagnant. But once you get that moving again, that groundedness is part of their nature. And it doesn't go away. And so they begin to journey really well once they get moving. Whereas that person that has huge access to their visionary capacity, but they're like a helium balloon and you cannot get (laughs) their feet on the ground to save their lives. You know, yes, that's that person in the class that's having fabulous journeys with soundtracks and scripts and costumes. You know, the whole thing is going on and on. Everyone in the room is going, God, I wish I could journey like that. And that person cannot use that information to save their lives. Right. Right. Well, not yet. Because there's so actually, yeah, exactly. And that's the thing is is helping them to get out of that sort of bliss state of being connected to spirit in that way, and to be willing and healed enough to ground through the body and understand, you know, being in the body is not a bad thing. Right. And it it's can be an ecstatic thing in and of itself, but that's a different show. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. It's true. So anyway, moving right along um, from the um, shamans and sexuality, let's talk about Starfire Merging <laughs> because I think we have enough time to, to, to share another, another aspect of what the two of you offer because my point that I'm trying to make, and I may not get a chance to make it, so I'm just going to say it right now, is that what I see in Peter and Sarah, everybody, is people who have um, had the courage to allow their uniqueness to integrate and change and transform the basic skill sets that they've learned and are offering something to the world that is truly unique, is truly what comes. And and interesting about the two of you, not only of each of you, your uniqueness, your helping spirits, but then the collaboration of the two of you together. So you're like fabulous uniqueness squared. (laughs) (laughs) So it's exponentially wow. wonderful. Um, and and this, is, this is the thing that I think is important, we, that we have to go here shamanically. Because for those of you that are old enough to remember, a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy eventually became nothing. It became undiscernible. And we can't just be this copies of copies of copies that our own uniqueness and our own relationship with spirit must begin to inform and transform the basic skill set. The basic skill set in and of itself 
you know, like, like you said, Sarah, you're going to figure that out on your own if you just journey long enough. I mean, it's just in and of itself, it's not the point. The point is what are we doing with it? And what I, my, my mission if this year on the show is to, is to try to help us move into that place where we have the courage to discover something that might even contradict something we learned in whatever basic training and, mm-hmm. and to do what we've been put on this planet to do for goodness sakes. And yeah. so anyway, that's, that's my little soapbox for the day. I'll get off it and let you two continue. I get on that soapbox periodically too, because, you know, when I'm, when I'm working with students or clients, I always say, this is how I think it is as of this minute and it could all be different tomorrow and you have to just keep your your mind open like that to to the the newness of the the ideas that are coming from the universe and um if you if you say okay this is how it is and you develop your dogma i think you're kind of sunk at that point and it, it all seems rather pointless but if you can just keep it keep it moving and keep keep walking on that path and saying, wow, this is so interesting. And even if you make mistakes and you think, no, that's, that's not quite right how I was thinking about that. And you, you just shift it around. And, um, you know, I know you were segueing into, into um, our channeling workshop, which is, which is we, we teach people how to channel their spirit guides, which is to embody the spirit guide, merge with them, and speak or write what comes through those guides. And that's a, that's a pretty interesting um, approach to guides. And that really deepens your shamanic practice as well. Well, if and a have- whole lot of people don't understand that is a traditional part of shamanism all over the world. Absolutely. And, yep. and, and in this sort of new version that people people's perception of shamanism is very distorted by partly by the two areas of the world that still had coherent shamanic practices when anybody decided to actually pay attention. So we have Siberia and South America. And, mm-hmm. and, and it begins to – and it's long and historical and it has to do with certain people that wrote you know, major things about shamanism. But the point is the only reason we have so much information from those two realms is that those are two realms of the planet nobody wanted for a long time. And so they left the shamanic people alone. And then we found out we wanted what was under the land. And so then we invaded their world. And so all of a sudden we found these shamanic cultures we could draw lots of information from. Well, that doesn't make that the whole end all and be all or the classic shamanism. It just means when we started to pay attention, these were the people that still had a lot to show us. But if you right. look at these many traditions that are you know, only found in stories, there's almost nobody practicing them anymore. You see this embodiment of the helping spirits and, the, and, and um, I'm thinking of this, the Seder with Freya where, you know, you the shaman's job was to embody this spirit and to let the community ask their questions and yeah. receive direct guidance there and this is all this whole continents of shamans where this is the main part of their practice it isn't journeying it's embodiment i mean yeah. asia and most of africa those are a lot of people 
And their mm-hmm. shamanism is every bit as classic as anybody else's. Okay, so I'm going to get off that soapbox now. <laughs> and we'll go back. There, Christina. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice soapbox. It's real pretty. Anyway, so go ahead and tell us some more then about this. this because you did draw this out of traditions. Yes, we yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and certainly there's another name for it too, transmediumship. And mm-hmm. this, you go back to the ancient Greeks and um, the Oracle of Delphi and or Delphi, and mm-hmm. it it was there are certain people that have happened upon the way to become the hollow bone and to really to let the spirit speak speak through them. Now, as we know. There are compassionate spirits and non-compassionate ones. And if you let your body open to a non-compassionate spirit, you just don't know what might happen. Probably not such a good thing. So in our workshop, we focus on some clear ways to make sure that you are working only with compassionate spirits when you channel, when you become the hollow bone and... The result is that you have a very beautiful, dynamic relationship that you can share between your spirit or spirit and those people who aren't in a channeling state of consciousness. And that allows for a beautiful interaction and and a certain level of wisdom and help and healing to be shared amongst those who don't yet have the ability. And we come from the place that that almost anybody who can journey can learn how to channel. Um, and it's just a matter of, of practice, of course, like anything. And we present some, some clear and easy exercises that enable this practice. And the exercises are predominantly how to get out of your own way. Because when, when you begin anything like that, that is so outside of our classic reality perspective, we, we become fearful, we become um, just uncomfortable with the process of allowing a guide to speak through you. It's, it's quite intimidating when you first do it. As I well know, I didn't take to the whole process very easily myself. I felt... No, that's not what I would like to include in my practice. But but then I I grew to like it over the the course of time. Certain experiences that I had um, in workshop situations, and I realized how valuable it was. So I decided to just get out of my own way and stop my ego from nattering in my ear about how weird this was. And, and I got on with it. And then I realized it was very, very useful. And that you, you really do develop uh, a clearer understanding of the total picture of what great wisdom our guides have to bring to us. You know, they are just the, the realms outside of what we have accepted as reality are so enormous and so vast and so wise it just amazes me you know this little reality we, that we've decided is it is, is so limiting 
And it, and, and it makes and, me wonder why we left that understanding of these vast, you know, re- realms that bring us so much help. It, it all, it, it, I have these moments where I wonder, what were our ancestors thinking? You know, they had all this wired and then they wandered off in this other path, which has led to nothing but um, annihilation. What, what were they thinking? <laughs> so, Well, it may not have been what they were thinking so much as what those that were trying to control them were thinking. Yeah, I I, I have a feeling a lot of it comes from you can't control. You know, you first of all, you can't lie to people who are telepathic. (laughs) It's like a small problem, you know. So it was not to the advantage of um, those that were trying to do the controlling to have telepathic people. So if you make it a sin or evil or, mm-hmm. you know, any other yeah. label you put on it, it starts to shut it down. And people, yeah. you know, three yeah. generations later, they can't even remember that they used to be able to talk to the plants, you know? Well, and, and that's that- an interesting point because there is, an, there is a fearlessness in doing it, not, not a macho fearlessness, but a true heartfelt fearlessness in that relationship. And if you do teach people to be afraid, it does shut it down very fast. Very fast. And you think yeah. about, you know, three, four generations, and then you don't even remember that mm-hmm. that was part of being a human being. Mm-hmm. And then people's energy is and all their intuitive energy is involved in how can I hide this? Yeah. Versus- and then the people who are born with that switch on feel like there's something wrong with them. That Why do I have this weird perception of what's going on around me? There must be something wrong with me. Yeah. So... Well, and I wonder also if this doesn't tie back to a part that you were talking about with the with the dragon workshop of when we are in this place, it's not only about that they are compassionate spirits versus non-compassionate spirits, but that are we truly a hollow bone? I mean, because it's kind of like sometimes getting information from that Freedom of Information Act, all the good parts get blacked out because of our own editing through our own blocks. You know, that seems to yeah. me that that might be part of the process too. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I agree. But, you know, the, the more you can clean up shop, the, the more you, you can, t- like I said, turn those switches on, you know. But it, you do have to clean up shop and you do have to wrestle with your fears because – you know, I, I, I truly was not fond of the whole concept of channeling. I thought, oh, I'm going to be one of those women with cats, you know, and no offense to people with cats. But um, <laughs> there, are, there are stereotypes of, of who does channeling, you know, and um, that was not a road because I am a very grounded person. And I was, you know, my wife and mother and teacher and all those kinds of things. And so the thought of going down that path was a bit like, "Hmm, I don't think so. But the value outweighed the fear at some point, and I just decided to let it go. And neither neither one of us wears turbans either. (laughs) No turbans. (laughs) No, No turbans. And, you know, people really... There's a freedom that um, comes into your personality as well. Even so, even when you're not channeling, 
you start to get out of your own way in the way you're living your life. You, your ego learns to be a little quieter and to stop the, the criticism, stop the uh, pulling back from new experiences, all, all those things that our egos like to get involved with and hold us back from. So the, the more you, you clean up shop and the more you let yourself go into these uh, new areas, I think the, the happier you are. And ultimately, I think that's the, the, the goal of all of this. Are you happy? Yes. This, this, these practices make you feel good, make you feel happy, make you feel whole, and that you're doing these interesting things in your life. And, and to me, that's about as good as it gets. And, and, and of course, along with the happiness, it's empowered happiness, and right. and it's also since you're working with compassionate spirits, it brings that level of of awareness into most everything that you're involved with. On and you're being of service. Note: I need to um, round up our show here. So, for those of you that are now afire with needing more information about Sarah and Peter. Um, remember that their website is shamansflame.com. And um, I encourage you to go there and to see uh, where their classes are, but also to join us in BC in May. And that's a circle. Oh, I forgot already. Sorry about that. A circle of great mystery.com to register for that conference in May. I have a quick announcement that I have um, offered to make for a colleague and friend of mine, Lenore Norgard, who is um, very accomplished in the efforts of using shamanism for social transformation. So this Saturday, January 22nd at 10 a.m. Pacific time, Lenore will offer again her free teleseminar, Healing America, Healing Our World. And if you are interested in details about that, go to Lenore, L-E-N-O-R-E, Norgard, N-O-R-R-G-A-R-D dot com slash healing dash America dot HTML. And you can find more information about um, this event um, coming on the heels of the violence in Arizona. And her feeling is that we need to align ourselves and all of humanity with the highest good of all life. And the efforts of this teleseminar are for us to find a way to bring shamanic wisdom into social activism. So I would like to thank Peter and Sarah for joining me here today. Thank you both. You're, you're welcome. Thank you for having us. It was a pleasure. You're it's very welcome. Yes. Absolutely delightful. And I give thanks to your ancestors for dreaming you two into existence, especially so that you might be here with me. <laughs> so that we can have some shamanic fun while we're here and i give thanks to the ancestors of all those who are listening to the show and all those who make this show happen um from the the gentlemen in texas who technically make it happen to all of those who are donating to the show if you would like to donate to why shamanism now just just go to whyshamanismnow.com and click on the support button I give thanks to the ancestors for being with us here today and to those deep and ancient elemental ancestors for giving us uh, weather that would allow our technology to stay intact here today. I give thanks to the earth below us and the sky above 
and the heart within each one of us that unites us all. Thank you all for joining us here today. Thanks to Peter and Sarah and all of their helping spirits that have helped them to bring their uniqueness out and to offer it to us in these beautiful ways. Thank you everyone for joining me this week.